The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. So how then, Lucas, do you feel... And look, I obviously know this firsthand too in terms of the the differences in preparation between even a run when you're living with type 1 diabetes compared to when you're not. You know, the, the preparation that's required yep. can be very different. So what sort of differences did you notice between your preparation before a heavyweight session prior to diagnosis and then your preparation after diagnosis? Oh, the big one is like, you can't just go and do it. You can't be like, right, I've got a few hours free. I'm going to go to the gym now. You know what I mean? You can't just wake up and go, I've had breakfast and that. I'll jump to the gym. You have to be like, right, how's my glucose levels doing? Right, what's the best time is? How much glucose, how much insulin have I got on board? Because that's a big thing as well. Like, if you've had a big breakfast and you go straight to the gym, all that insulin's active and it can just cause mayhem. Um, and so it's things like that, like, or you could be sitting there at night, you know, you finished work and whatever, and you're like, before diabetes, you're like, right, I'll go to the gym just now. But now you have to be like, right, I'll go at six o'clock, um, and that should be all right, and you check your bloods, and you're like, hey. but then also, when you sort of get to the gym sometimes, and you've got a hypo, or you're in a hyper, and you're like, I'm going to need to wait 15, 20 <laughs> yeah. minutes to see what I'm doing. And you've got all the way there, and you're, you're ready to train, and you're like, I need to take a step back. Um, that's probably one of the hardest mm. parts is when you're there and you're like, right, I can't actually do anything just now. It's actually funny that you mentioned that because only oh, was a few weeks ago, I was going to the gym and I knew I was training legs and I knew I was kind of hyping myself up for heavy sets of squats. And sure, you know better than I do. Mm-hmm. You need to be in that mindset to, to really get through those heavier sets. And I got in. Yup. Did a warm up. I thought I had prepared as perfectly as I should have. Did a warm up, and I basically put my head under the bar for the first heavy set. And I was like, oh, "I, I don't, f- I don't feel right here." And to play it safe, check my blood sugar. I was going low, and I, oh, it was infuriating. So I was basically just sitting in the corner of the gym for like thirty minutes, waiting for my blood sugar to come back up. <laughs> so I could train because I knew I didn't want to miss the session completely, but it takes you out of that, that sort of headspace that you need when particularly you're doing heavy compound movements like squats or deadlifts. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, 100%. And that's, I think what people find the hardest to wrap their head around is that you can't just batter on another set. Sometimes I try it because I'm like, if this happens at comp, I might need to just go out and do it. But everything goes when your blood sugar starts going. Mm. I mean, your spatial awareness, your coordination, um, even all that goes. So you're completely at a loss as soon as you start dropping. Um, so yeah, it causes havoc. Um, just trying to work out sometimes, right, can I get a, can I get my sets in? Like you say, you're, you're mid-squat and you're like, right, something's not right. And you check it and then you're half an hour, you're just sitting about waiting. Um, so yeah, things like that. Like I've done it before as well. Like you start warming up, you're going through and then you're like, right, so I've got snatches, duh, 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 looking at your top sets and you're like, right, okay, that's going to be a good session. You get the bar, a couple of reps, right, okay, yeah, I'm feeling good, feeling good. Load up the next week, do, 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 your wee alarm goes off and you're like, no, no, don't do this to me now. And then, yeah, plate you say, it's going low. So you're like, right, plate safe, check it, check it in five minutes, five minutes later, right, you're now 3.6 and you're like, yep, this snatch session's off. Like, this isn't going to go the way I want. So do you then, do you just treat it and wait or what's your approach? Um, depending on sort of how deep into the session I am, um, a lot of the times I will just treat it, wait, check it again, check it again. And the wee gym that I, I train at, like the wee council gym, staff in there are dead good. Um, they're sort of aware of it as well. And like I just sit down and I mean, and then I just take my time. Sometimes, say if I'm deep in, I've done it before where I've been like on a, a 140 clean. I've hit the hypo. I know I'm in a hypo. I grab six jelly babies. I throw them in and I go and hit the set. And then I'm like, right, I need to sit down. Um, and they're like, why didn't you do it? Like, you, ju- you checked your bloods, like, you checked your alarm, like, your bloods were low. And I'm like, I just need to hit that. I was like, because I can't wait half an hour and go back for that set. You're like a man possessed. And I'm like, if it's in a comp, yup. Aye, it's like, if that happens in a comp, I need to know that I can try and take it. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, uh, sometimes they come a bit possessed. I'm just like, right, I just need to go. I just need to do it. I was like, and sometimes I know the alarm goes and I know fine well I'm feeling dizzy, I'm feeling a wee bit sort of thing and I'm like, right, I'll check it as soon as I've done this set because if I check it now, I know I'm not going to do this set. Things like that as well. How long then, Lucas, did it take you to get back to your heaviest weights that you had been training with prior to being diagnosed? Um, About three months worth of training. (laughs) I hit my first one rep max uh, after coming back into training. So it took me about three months to hit a one rep max. And obviously, you can say that I'd been training for three, four years before that, and I finally hit a one rep max. So, uh, Wait, And what was the one rep max yeah, and what was the, the lift? That was uh, 100 kilo um, on the snatch. So obviously, I'd gone from snatching 60 kilos before diagnosis, like when I was really unwell. Uh, my best before being unwell was 95 kilo. Um, and I could never get past that. It was that. That weight I could just never beat. Um, and then about three months into training, snatched 100 kilo for the first time. So you actually, and then you've, like, you've right. beaten, or you had beaten, your previous personal best, heaviest weight. Prior to diagnosis, you've now beaten that after being diagnosed. Yep. So you're, you're essentially, you're, you're stronger now than you had been. Yep. And for anybody, Lucas, uh, who, now, who doesn't know what a snatch is, how would you explain what that lift is? So you go from the floor to above your head in one movement so you don't stop at any point. 
So you, as if you're in a wide grip position, so nice and wide deadlift. And once you get past that deadlift position, you keep on going and then you basically jump and you take that bar above your head and you land in a squat and then stand it up um, all in one movement. And that's 100 kilograms. Yep. And then since then, I've done a 112 in the gym um, and 110 kilos in comp. So added 15 kilos to my competition best since being diagnosed with diabetes. And how does that feel? Feels great. You know what I mean? To think like you just can keep pushing. Like, and like they said at the time, like if you're, you're willing to do it and you look after your diabetes management, you can go back to training. You can go back and compete. And there should be nothing to hold you back from being able to live your life. And when you see like adding 15 kilos to your lifts and stuff like that, and you're like, aye, management's the way forwards. How do you, Lucas, because I know you're obviously incredibly passionate, incredibly driven and you obviously love weightlifting a lot how do you keep yourself motivated or or even how do you keep yourself so consistent more importantly um honestly don't know (laughs) i just need it um like i just need to train i just need to let out the rage the frustration the task whatever it is that's going on i just need to go and lift each day yeah i think it was like a like a meme or one of those things or some image i'd seen on instagram and it was like if you're in a bad mood you go to the gym you feel better if you're in a good mood you go to the gym you feel even better if you're upset you go to the gym you feel better it's it's one of those things that you walk out of the gym or you come home from a run or you come home from a swim and you never don't feel better yep and it's also one of those things where, of course, it takes preparation and sometimes it can be frustrating when, you know, you're hit with a high blood sugar or a low blood sugar when you're running or training or weightlifting, whatever it might be. But also the massively beneficial impact it has on your blood sugar is just invaluable. Oh, it's huge. Like, um I think I commented on one of your posts the other day about like insulin sensitivity. Um, and I think it was the one where you said about you wait 15 minutes before mm. you eat. I can't do that. Like I have to eat straight away. The only things that I need to wait for is cereal um, and cake. That's it. At any sort of meal, I need to eat it straight away. Otherwise, I hit a hypo. Really? Um, yep. If I wait five minutes, say if I'm having lasagna or pasta anything like that if i take five minutes between eating like i'm hitting a hypo before i finish what insulin dinner. do you take um nova rapid weird oh i've yep. never heard that before um, because usually nova rapid is and then, oh, it's onset time is generally kind of 10 ish 15 even sometimes yep. 20 minutes depending on the person too and fiasp generally is that much more rapid acting insulin so you, mm-hmm. you eat straight away after injecting over rapid yep. and you're kept stable. Yep. Yep. Um, and like when I finish the gym, I normally have about 60 grams of carbs. If I have less than that, not straight away, I have like sort of 20 and like another 20 and another 20 with no insulin. Because um, if I don't, then I'm hitting hypos all night. Um, mm. So I need at least 60 grams of carbs with no insulin after training. Um to see me through sometimes it's more if it's a big session i can have like 100 grams worth of carbs with no insulin after a training session wow um, and it just goes to show you 
particularly again with those larger muscle groups you know and i know it myself if i'm doing a hefty enough leg session my sensitivity is through the roof and if yep. you're consistently doing the types of lifts that you're doing at the weight that you're doing the mat like that almost acts as a natural basal increase in itself yep so how does your management differ then lucas on a day where you are training compared to a day when you're not or does it at all um it depends on sort of the blocks and like that's what i found recently like sort of changing the blocks around is really sort of made some of the management a bit harder um we're doing a lot of squat volume uh about four weeks ago i think it was and the day after training i'd hit hypo after hypo um because it was three, four days worth of all these squats. You'd be eight sets of sort of doubles all the way through to your sort of top sets and maybe a top set of three, four reps. What's a double? Um, what's a ten set of what's ten sets of a double? Right. So you'd do like uh two reps of say sort of one fifty range, like hundred and fifty kilograms, and then you'd go up to hundred and sixty kilograms for sort of two sets of two reps, and then you'd try and hit your top top weight, what could be a one seventy, one seventy five. Um I think the best I've done in that block of training, I think it was 180 kilograms for free. Oh, um, that's that's very, very heavy. <laughs> yeah, and that's after doing numerous sets at 140 kilograms, 150 kilograms, like set after set. And that was tough with the diabetes management for the next couple of days because that sensitivity was just mm. through the roof. Like Even the next day, I wasn't having all my insulin for my carbs. So I'd have like my lunch and I'd take two units off it because if I didn't, I was hitting hypos later on. Um, so things like that. So, and then we reduced the volume back and then all of a sudden I was, I was trending high. So obviously that, that two, three weeks of really heavy squats, um, of doing lots of sets, sensitive videos through the roof, two, three weeks later, the complete opposite where I needed to readjust the background insulin because I was always trending high. So, so what was the difference again, just to clarify the difference in the type of training, which led to that difference in blood sugar readings. So it was like, instead of doing as much volume on the squats, it was cut down a little bit. We we're doing slightly less. So you're doing less big compound movements, but we may be doing slightly more um, snatches and cleaning jerks but the actual squats and the heavier deadlifts and stuff like that was reduced right down, mm. um, obviously to get a bit of body recovery. But at the same time, that became harder when, you, when you're trending high, you don't recover as well. Um, so yeah, so that was definitely a challenge in itself, trying to work out like what, what was going on, right? How do we fix this? Right? How do I get my glucose levels back to where they should be after three weeks of barely any insulin so as a result then of of what you noticed there lucas presumably or correct me if i'm wrong do you try and keep your style of training as consistent as possible so that's reflected in the consistency of your blood sugar or does it still differ it still differs uh, a lot of the time like um before i sort of changed coaches that's what i was doing it was always the same each day was pretty much the same exact training for weeks on end um 
so I knew exactly what was going to go on with my blood sugars and then sort of retaining the coaching and like sort of peaking for competitions and stuff that's had to change um, and then it's just about figuring out as you go what happens when your training changes or what happens the week before a comp to stay in range um, what do you need to do if you're not squatting as heavy what do you need to do if you're doing lots and lots of volume on snatches or cleaning jerks um, how much insulin am I going to need the next day because of sort of the time that I've trained compared to the time I could be training at the weekend and all that type of stuff really like it just comes in to be really observant and I think you can't fault the Libra for that sometimes like it gives you all that information that you can flick through and go right what's happening on that day on that day on that day um so yeah so it's, it's quite challenging sometimes to try and figure it all out and go right what do I need to do to make sure I'm still being in range and I'm still recovering properly what do you think your your diabetes management would be like Lucas if you didn't train how you train oh it would be I think it'd be so much harder um, to control and manage like just I'm always sort of out and about walking and then training and then see where the compounds and you know when you've got that sensitivity um, you know like I can take my insulin and then eat my dinner um, I don't have that fear like I need to wait I need to wait to eat or anything like that I can, so if we're out for dinner at a restaurant I can just be like alright there's my food right what have I got right I can just hit my insulin straight away and I know I'm not going to be in a high I know I'm not going to be in a low and things like that and I think having that freedom because of the way I train is such a relief yeah it's, it absolutely sounds it if your sensitivity is increased by that much following those sorts of sessions and i've said it before on this podcast on this podcast but it's like in my opinion it's almost as if when you're diagnosed it should be here's your insulin pen here's your blood glucose monitor and here's a dumbbell because yep the impact that consistent particularly resistance training has on your blood sugar and insulin sensitivity is just phenomenal. And even for Mm -hmm. myself, if I know, like if there is a week where I don't train as consistently as I like to train, almost instantly that's reflected on my blood sugar. And you're obviously the Mm -hmm. same way. And it's like when you're in that consistent routine of doing the type of training that you love, it really, really, really makes your life so much easier in relation to managing the bloods consistently too yep no definitely and it is like you say as soon as you you maybe miss a session um, and stuff like that and your whole week can be sort of changed with how you now need to manage say if you've picked up a wee niggle or you've got things on and your, your training does fluctuate because of it and you notice how much harder it is to manage your glucose levels mm. like you need 100%. to train and it's one of those things it's one of those things where if i'm not in the mood and I'm saying things like, oh, I need to do it for my energy. I need to do it for my mood. I need to do it for my sleep. It's also then the cherry on top of, well, look, I have to do it for my blood sugar. So it's that extra mm-hmm. kick to, to get you to the gym or to get you out doing steps or out for a run or doing a hike, whatever it is. But any sort of exercise. Yep. Short term can be frustrating if you're getting a high or a low, but if it's consistent, the long-term benefits of it are just substantial. Given, Lucas, how successful you have been up to this point with your weightlifting career and obviously qualifying for British championships and all these kind of things, 
how do you set yourself goals or targets? Um, I just want to be as strong as possible. And you still get that way. Some people say, oh, you're strong for being diabetic. And I'm like, I just want to be strong. I just want someone to look at you and say, you're strong no matter what. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's like the biggest thing that drives me is that despite my health conditions, that I can still just be as strong as I possibly can be. Um, and then in regards to competitions, I just love competing. I love having that opportunity to go and compete and do the best you can and see what you've done in training and see how it reflects. Um, I've got some goals in my mind, the sort of big numbers that I want to hit. Um, I'd like to hit 200 kilogram front squat. Whoa, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> yep I just there's something about that number on a front squat that just grabs my attention um I was I'd like to snatch clean up well competitions um and boost my total up and stuff like that as well um so hopefully next couple of competitions that keeps going and I get into sort of 250 kilogram range for the two lifts um so obviously the best snatch lift of that day and the best clean and jerk lift of that day to be equal in 250 kilograms that'd be nice and then anything over that is going to be a huge benefit as well. But yeah, I just really want to push it as far as I can and see what more I can get out of it. So I say the totaling competition is a big driving force, a big power clean. So you catch it on your shoulders. So from the ground, you pull it up, you catch it on your shoulders, but you don't go into a full squat. So you try and catch it above parallel. So I'd like to hit that at 150 kilograms. So you'll see sort of a lot of CrossFitters do that exercise as well. And it's just... You're trying to produce as much maximal force as you can without dropping down into a squat. So you're putting all the muscle force in there to stop yourself going any lower with as big a weight as possible. So I'd really like to try and hit that as a double body weight. I love how somebody has said to you, or people in previously have said to you, you're strong for a diabetic. Like, Lucas, you're stronger than 99% of the population worldwide, <laughs> myself included. If you're squatting 175 kg and you're doing... A snatch of 100 kg or 115 I think you said that's phenomenal weight mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's, it's one of the things like um, it was after the British Championships as well someone went oh you did well being the first diabetic weightlifter oh. in your category and I went I was fourth place and they're like aye but you were the strongest one with diabetes and I was like what difference does that make like why can't I be happy with my fourth place like why do I need to try and find another thing to like try and deem it as a success as if fourth place wasn't good enough you know and I'm like but you know like aye but obviously like with your diabetes and that like you did not bad and I'm like I did well I was fourth at the British Championships and I think like and there's like other comps when people say ah you you done not bad like considering your, your diabetes and stuff and I'm thinking I think I'm doing alright regardless um so as it's the way some people like put a spin on it. I think they try and make it look more positive to yourself, but when you're living with the diabetes or you're living with your Crohn's disease or whatever you've got going on, it can also seem a bit cheeky sometimes where you're like, Can I not just be happy with what I've achieved? Regardless of what else is going on. Do you feel following a few of those sorts of comments, do you almost have like an extra bit of a chip on your shoulder to prove them wrong? Uh, see sometimes I think oh maybe I do but then I just go back into the gym and I just do my thing and I just train and I'm like right back into my yeah. sort of flow um, 
I think there's always going to be people, no matter what you do in your life, that are going to make comments and they're going to they're going to even use like your diabetes as an excuse uh, against you. Or oh, we didn't invite you to this because you're diabetic. Um, and you see these things on like some of the Instagram pages and stuff where people are saying this stuff. And I think it's people's own opinion on what diabetes is or what mental health is and anything like that. Like that they need to create an excuse for you. Um, and I think you just need to focus on what you can do with your health and what's best for your health at that time um, and not worry too much about what else other people are saying about it. I would definitely be taking the diabetic part out of those comments. Like if you're getting fourth in the British Championships, that's pretty phenomenal in itself. Um, what was required? I'm curious, Lucas, what was required to qualify for the British Championships? Um, so you needed to be placed top eight in in, in Britain. Um, and then you also had to achieve a qualifying total. Uh, and I think it was 228 kilograms, um, if I remember rightly. Um, and then you'd be selected by your home nation. So your home nation could put you in um, for the sort of championship. Um, so there was only eight people allowed to go. So there was eight of us in. Um, so yeah, so great competition I mean and it's competitions like that that you want to go to and achieve when there's a qualification total as well you're just like no matter what it is if it's the Scottish Open and there's a, a qualification total you're like this is a bit more important because you've had to earn the right to be there it's not you can just turn up and just say right I can just enter did you always know or have that feeling in the back of your mind even sitting in your two hospital beds for your various diagnosis that you would be doing what you're doing at the level that you're doing it at? My one goal uh, when starting really weightlifting was that one day I'd qualify for the British Championships. That was my main goal, was to get to that position. So I think in the back of my mind, I always thought this was doable, but it also felt like it was going to be tough um, to get there. I mean, and there'd been setbacks before. I'd qualified before, and then, or I'd hit the qualification total before, and then end up in hostel, didn't do the qualification meets, so then couldn't go in and things like that. So there's been like setbacks along the way trying to get to the first one. But then now that I've done the first one, yeah, it definitely feels like it's meant Love to be. that. Unreal. It's, it's amazing to hear. So given the fact, Lucas, that you've, you've already surpassed what initially was the goal, what's next for you now? Go, go to another one, try and beat my totals at the comps as well. So uh, the British Open's coming up. Last year I do I did 230 kilograms at that competition. I'd like to try and get a bigger total at that one. Then obviously the British Championships again next year. I'd like to be selected to go and compete again at that. But I've also in my mind I'd like to compete at other body weights, see if I can qualify heavier, see if I can push more weight um, to go and things like that. So there's like wee things that I think, right, that, that would make it quite interesting. Can I go up a weight category? and compete can I stay at this weight category and qualify for two free championships there's all these wee things that sort of float about my mind when I'm like right what can what can I really achieve with these weights and how many times can I get to these competitions and what can I do when I get there given the fact as well look you've you've only been diabetic for a relatively short space of time since 2021 and you obviously have an incredible mindset towards it and incredible incredible opinion of it even for yourself and physically what you're doing is unbelievable to see to say to or to see can't even speak to say the very least (laughs) there we go um is there anything lucas that or any piece of advice that 
stood out to you the most that has made the difference for you in the past year and a bit? I think it was just when they said, if you have good management, there's nothing you can't do. And I just sort of stuck with me, where it's like, if I manage my diabetes here, there's nothing I can't do. Like, so there's no extra limitations being put on me for being diabetic. Like, and this is coming from a doctor or a specialist. Like, if they're saying that, then I can definitely go and achieve what I want to achieve. Very similar to what I had heard as well. And I think it was the day of me leaving hospital when I was initially diagnosed and I was obviously getting this the crash course in diabetes management with my insulin pen and checking my blood sugar and all these different things. And I'll never forget it. The nurse said to me, your diabetes management is just like you're stirring a pot. And she was like, if you consistently stir this pot, make sure it doesn't get too hot, too cold or overflows, you can do anything you want. And I thought it was a nice analogy to use to, to view it in that way. It's like just consistently keep stirring that pot and essentially you can do whatever you want. And it sounds very similar to mm-hmm. that sort of advice that you had got to when you were diagnosed. Yup. And like you say, it's just, I think that's, people get the alarm bells ring when they get a diagnosis of anything in life, but especially like diabetes, it's like, and then I think it's the fear mongering that they see online as well, or some personal trainers put things out and they don't say it's type two or type one. They just put out this information out there about diabetes and what this means. Um, and it is that sort of the misconceptions that come with it a lot of the times, I think, puts people off of going for some more goals um, or the fact that they need to use insulin or they need to check their bloods before going for a run or if they're running a marathon, like what impact will that have? And I think sometimes it does put people off because it's that sort of fear of the unknown because it is a crash course. Like everyone's different in regards to how they manage their uh, diabetes, of what it means, of you know, how much of an impact that has at different times. And I think sometimes you want it in black and white. This is what you need to do. This is when you need to do it. And that's been hard way. The weightlifting as well is there's very little information out there of what weightlifting does to diabetes and what diabetes can do to weightlifting. I mean, from that anabolic point of view, like a lot of it's about your sort of higher reps in the gym or about sort of moderate weights or about cardio. Very little about being competitive in weightlifting. There's a little bit about sort of weight cuts and stuff like that as well. But with weightlifting, you could do like a weight cut and then you compete two hours after weighing in. So it's not like some sort of fights and stuff where you'd compete the next day. If you've weight cut, you'll compete two hours later. So it's wee things like that where there's little information about sort of what that means and how to refuel. And and I think sometimes people want that. They want the black and white to say, this is exactly what you need to do and how to do it. And then everyone's different. And it sort of maybe adds a bit more fear to mm. them. It definitely adds a, a couple of layers of complexity to say the least, but Yep. given everything you have done in this very very short space of time is enough proof in itself that if you do manage your diabetes and you do give it the attention it deserves essentially you can do whatever you want you can compete in the british championships and squat with 200 kg on your back which i probably will never do lucas so so fair play to you <laughs> <laughs> you never know you never know you might go out and spot it now I have one more um, question for you and I know you've heard this question before Lucas yep. because I know you've listened to a few episodes of the podcast and it is 
if you had the opportunity to thank your diabetes for something what would that be that um i know exactly what i'm gonna say um it's i'm just trying to put it into the words of what i want to say as um it's the ability to just be in that moment like before diabetes you always think about the long term it's always longer goals it's this it's that and you don't always particularly enjoy or just revel in the moment of what's going on for example like I, I walk up the hills and stuff i walk my dogs through along the, the river things like that and then it was always you just walked you just walked that route and that was that and then see after like diagnosis you stop and you just think for a minute, this is amazing because you don't know when that last moment's going to be. And obviously, with how severe that was and getting told 24 hours later, chances are I wouldn't have made it. I just really want to like, thank my diabetes for that. I've been enjoying every moment of just taking the best out of it and just going, this is an opportunity. I absolutely love that. And really, really nicely put. And it kind of has that unique way of keeping you put in that moment and almost having a new appreciation for that moment. So really nicely put. I appreciate that honesty too. Lucas, where can people reach out to you? Where can people find out more about you? Where can people see you lift these insane weights above your head? Um, so I'm on Instagram um, and it is Clark with an E dot 73. Um, so if you reach out on my Instagram, you'll see me on there. So I put out a few lifts and stuff like that as well. Uh, and if any questions or anything like that just drop me a message and if anybody isn't following lucas up to this point start following him right now because you go onto his instagram and the videos he has up of him weightlifting kind of make you feel weak but also it's inspiring to see somebody living with this condition do what he does and he's obviously a, a professional and an expert and it's incredible to watch so lucas thanks so much for your time today really really appreciate it i know we've been in touch through instagram for a while now so it was good to finally connect and chat with you in detail yep no thank you thanks for having me on as well take it easy right thank you you too another massive thank you to today's guest and if you haven't already be sure to check out their social channels and links that we've included in the episode description if you enjoy the podcast which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate, subscribe, and share. It really, really helps the podcast get heard by more people when you rate, when you subscribe, and when you share. If you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far, likely someone else would be too. If you have any questions or stories for myself and Graham, please do not hesitate to reach out. We absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions. You can do this through the Insulone podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more from me, stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter, healthier and happier within my type 1% better online program. You can message me directly through Instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description. And as always... Another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears. We greatly appreciate you showing up each week, time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, have a good day, have a good week, look after those blood sugars, and I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.